the Stanford curse forever be broken. Amen. Mm. There we go. Listeners, fellow fellow uh, quack worshipers, uh, members of the Chapel of Quack, of the Church of Quack. That's what I've landed on. It's cleaner. Members of the Church of Quack, it's a joyous day. This is actually the joyous organ music, too. It doesn't sound like it, but this is actually the stuff we play when we're ready to turn it up, when we're lit. Because uh, I am. Even though there's plenty of things not to be lit about, as the Lord wrote. Uh, and we're going to get into that, because it's Sunday, y'all. Now... We were all nervous, right? We were all nervous because we all know how Oregon versus Stanford goes. Whoever is the better team, the worst team comes, and they ruin that season forever. And it's just a pit in the you know in the stomachs of every fan for forever. And there's a lot more Duck fans than Stanford fans, so it's unfair, really. It's more unfair what they're doing to us when they upset us. I'm just gonna say that because there's more Duck fans, but um. I didn't really think that was going to happen. I didn't really think that was going to happen. I was going for the reverse jinx thing where you're really playing it up. Um, cause I, but I did that last year, too, and look what happened. Just look what happened. This game, there's, it was kind of boring, and <laughs> I, I think we can all agree on that just because the amount of penalties, we'll get into them, but the amount of penalties, the amount of ref in general in this game really fucking really freaking sorry I, I forgot this is Sunday kind of killed the the mood for a while but at the same time you have it in hand for almost the entirety of the game really I, I loved it. it it did make me it it lulled it almost put me to sleep because also it was near midnight when this game ended and uh that I mean hey <laughs> As, as this is witness to people who are watching this very late uh, church stream here right now, y'all know sometimes sometimes that nightlife is the right life. Okay, let's get into it. I got my 12 quack commandments. Number one, the Cardinal Seas parted. That is right. The Cardinal Seas parted. Or maybe I should say the Cardinal D parted because... Bo Nix, in general, the Oregon run game, the Oregon rushing game, was just as dominant as you could be, just about. It felt like back in the day when Chip Kelly was over here and not, you know, doing whatever he's doing in like in UCLA, upsetting the Huskies. I guess he was doing that here, too. But anyways, uh, yeah, we, we rushed like freaking crazy. 351 rushing yards. I think the thing that surprised a lot of us is 141 of those yards was from Bo Nix. Which, you know, a lot of people get the tag mobile QB sometimes. Because it's just, it's kind of an easy thing to, like, a couple scrambling plays, then suddenly you're a mobile QB. Sometimes it's thrown on too easily. Uh, Tanner McKee, absolutely not a mobile QB. I mean, we saw that in this game, but in general, everyone knows he's actually a really good quarterback. But, you know, he's not mobile. Bo Nix is mobile. We've seen it before. We've seen him, I mean, especially, like, against, like, Eastern Washington. He was really, he had some good little juke moves there. 
Uh, he's always willing to run. He was he did it against Georgia too. Um, it's interesting to see him wearing that number ten and seeing someone run because we didn't see that for years after Herbert's injury. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't. They didn't let him run as much. And this, he ran amok, man. It really was the thing that made it so this game was not going to be an upset. There was not going to be the craziness, C.J. Verdell trying to kill the clock at the end of the game, and then suddenly we're in overtime, or Zach Ertz, what the hell, he's not He's not even in the end zone, or the, the million other things, you know. Um... Yeah, it was none of those because even when our offense was not going quite as well, mainly because of the penalties, <laughs> uh, Bo Nix was able to turn it on. Even on the drive where he got that 80-yard touchdown run, which is obviously his career high because earlier, uh, I believe it was his like 30-whatever, his 34-yard or something like that yard run was his longest run in his career. And then so add that 80-yard one. So obviously this is his... His longest, his his most rushing yards in a game for his career. Man, I wish we could convince Bo Nix to stay another year. It's not going to happen. I really don't think it is from what I've heard in interviews and stuff. I, I think it's like, no, this is so I can then really make my shot at the NFL, um, which power to him. But, uh, man, I would love another year of him. I'd love every year with him the way he's playing right now. Yes. Now let's get into something a little less fun. Punished by penalties, they shall be. And we were, it was writ. Uh, yeah, penalties were freaking ridiculous. Like, truly, truly historically bad. Um, say, there's been a lot of things, and you always do this with your head coach, you know, with your new head coach. You compare them to the old one. You know, it's a, it's a relationship like any other one, so you're going to compare, you know, this person to that person or whatever. Oh, this person's so much better at that. Well, one thing, and we've been doing a lot of dissing of Cristobal, mainly dissing of Cristobal's offense, which is easy to do right now because look at Miami. They just lost to, gosh darn, Middle Tennessee. But one thing Cristobal did, and he did in real quick order, is he cleaned up our penalty problem, which was a problem we had at the end of the Helfrich era, uh, went into the Tagger era as well. Got a little bit worse at times in the Taggart era. Almost immediately, Chris Paul comes in and he cleans that up. As of right now, um, our new head coach has us averaging a Pac-12 worst 8.2 penalties for 72 yards per game. That blows. That is not good. Uh, And overall, in this game, 14 penalties. (laughs) That's right. 14 penalties for 135 yards. 135 yards. It's a. It goes to show, I mean, with Ty Thompson in the game at one point and with all these penalties, and we still hung 45 points on him, uh, the most points scored on him so far this season. I think that is very cool. That's very, you know, that's, that's good. In one way, our offense has is, is been very efficient. But um, that that's going to make it so you're going to lose against not just teams that are as talented or as good as you. You're going to lose against worse teams. We could lose against Arizona uh, next week if we were to commit 14 dang penalties again. Uh, And a lot of these penalties, one thing that was interesting, 
some of the Duck offensive linemen have come out and they've said that Stanford was actually actually a mimicking their cadence, which kind of threw them off. And so supposedly was maybe uh, a couple of those false starts. Cam McCormick had one. Marcus Harper had one. Marcus Har- Harper also had a holding. So this is like, you know, we are replacing, like what was once this like sure thing veteran offensive lineman, Marcus Harper, has come in and he's, you know, made, made a few mistakes. But also Amave Laulu, he made, he had a holding on the fourth drive that we had. Um, there's the legal motion from Terrence Ferguson. There is the the absolute BS horse collar. Am I right? Really, I mean, because I believe if I'm trying to, uh, there was ten. Yes, ten of those penalties took place in the first half, and so I'm almost. I would be more willing to write it off if it weren't for the other games this season, which penalties have bitten us in the butt at really tough times. Uh, I mean, one of the penalties was like the fight, <laughs> Seven McGee. How how are you going to go just on Seven McGee? How is Seven McGee the one person who's going to get ejected in that two benches are jabbing at each other and then just Seven McGee? That, kind of, that almost made me laugh. I don't know what he did because he didn't show it on the replay. He must have done something, but... These refs, maybe he did absolutely. Maybe he wasn't wasn't even out there. Maybe he was in the freaking locker room, uh, the way these refs are doing it. Um, and so, like, also with the RPO, obviously we're seeing it's tough. Sometimes the linemen will be too far down, and then, boom, the whole place shot. We just got to hope that we get better at that. That one is doesn't concern me as much as, like, the holding – Obviously, that's just a drive killer, momentum killer. The fighting was freaking weird. I, I don't even know what to say about that. A lot of the second half ones were strange. Again, that horse collar. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, he got that penalty in that second half too. But, dude, the dude's playing so well. If he's got to eat one of those every once in a while, I'm fine with it. <laughs> he's so good. He's such a sure thing. Oh, God bless Christian Gonzalez. I love him. Let's get in this next. Uh, so, I mean, that is that is mainly what Duck fans are actually talking about, right? It's the penalties. Because what else is there to say about this game? Like, it's um, it felt like a practice. It felt like a spring game. It could because we could have really kept them. We almost kept them to like the lowest point total scored, uh, this season for them. You know, we almost held them below that mark. We scored the most on him. I was looking for it. That was something that was keeping me awake at 11.30 p.m., you know. So for us, it makes sense that Duck fans are we're only focusing, maybe hyper-focusing, not hyper-focusing because 14 penalties is something that you got to be like, okay, Dan Landing, this is, this is an easy circle mistake that you can fix, and if you fix this, Imagine how much better that's a marked, you know, that's not like trying to make a player faster, trying to play make a player stronger, trying to play make a player smarter or trying to get units to gel. Here's an easy I mean I guess it is getting units to gel, but here is an easy quote, easy, I don't know. But here's something that you can work on and actually get it done. That's what I'm hoping. Let's get in the next one. Less depressing. This is a win after all. Well, yeah. Raising 351 rushing yards, 
for the Lord. That's right, we raised 351 rushing yards to go to every single church of quack throughout these United States. Bo Nix led all the rushers, 141 yards, six carries, two touchdowns. Um, because, again, we keep a clean pocket, so he's not getting many negative yards, and for some reason those count, sacks count in college, whatever. But right behind him, Bucky Irving, my man Bucky. Of course, Bucky, because Bucky's the best. That's why Bucky 10 carries, 97 yards, 9.7 average. I'm sure you could do that math. And just, again, just, just a really solid running back. I want to watch more of him, but I am starting to think, like, is this the best running back we've had? I mean, Travis Dye really did some amazing things here, especially last year when we were really relying on him. He did do a whole lot, um, but maybe best just pure running back since Royce Freeman, maybe? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to watch more. That's that's tall order. I love me some Rolls Royce. But, uh, yeah, Bucky Irving. Had a great game, 27-yard uh, long there. Noel Whittington also. Noel Whittington got, like, the hard-hitting award. He was, like, usually, you know, there are some running backs when you start to see the the tackle about to happen, you're like, okay, like you're bracing yourself. Like, when he was out there, you were bracing for the Stanford guy because he was coming out like a sledgehammer. There was that, especially that one. I, I don't remember the Stanford player's name. And that's probably credit to him. You know, he doesn't need this embarrassment brought up. But he <laughs> knocked him so hard, man. Uh, it felt like we didn't even need to throw the ball this whole dang game. I don't think they could have stopped that run. It, it seemed like it. And I know we were all very nervous that first drive. where We were held for the field goal. And then I believe we had to punt, if I remember correctly, the second one. Um, and it felt like, oh, no, it's our red zone things again. But it became pretty aware that it's like, oh, no, this Stanford offense, they they ain't in it for the uh, upset here. Uh, Sean Dollars got out there, got himself a touchdown. I know fans are dying for more dollars. They also want Cardwell. Uh, Cardwell will be out there, I'm sure, eventually. I don't think there's any. I think it's just healing and everyone's doing well and they're not trying to force anything. Uh, Jordan James also gets a touchdown. Hell, yeah. I like it. Yes. More running, please. Let's get to number four. The fourth quack man meant a turnover for a turnover. That is right. A turnover for a turnover. As in, as of right now, you know, in end of the season. Five and five. Five turnovers each. Opponents have five turnovers we have five, we have forced five turnovers, which is pretty good considering we started off this season two interceptions against Georgia, just right off the bat. Now, obviously, games against like Eastern Washington and even you know BYU's uh, good, but it, it, that helps us out there. You know, not quite good, not quite great. Anyways, uh, I don't know with with against Stanford. I mean. Um, yeah, because what was it? Oh, Ty Thompson. That is right, because we went 1-1 one and one in this game. Ty Thompson threw that pick. Uh, we'll get into him in a bit. But um, otherwise, again, Tanner McKee, uh, listen to Hit the Day, talks about this guy too. 
Tanner McKee is a good quarterback, and I I wish him the best. And he may be someone who like some NFL team gets him like lay undrafted, and he rises up as a practice squad dude. And it's like, yeah, no, this dude's fucking. Good. This dude's clearly good. You know, I do think he is good. He went nineteen of thirty three for two touchdowns. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. It was the fumble that was their turnover, which was fun to watch. Noah Sewell just a Ooh, just a head full of steam. I thought he was going to bring it in. That would have been great. I thought he was going to bring it in. Uh, and then I believe Bennett Williams is the one who forced that with just that heads-up play. He had a great game. Williams had a great game, and I know he is a fan favorite too. Like, we got some good players in the secondary. Um, Overall, this defensive performance, I think obviously in the second half, when our some more of our twos are out there, things did get a little sloppier. Um, but I, I I felt pretty good about this game. I don't know, whatever, except for the penalties. Number five, first sack and the first punt return. Here marks hey, but this this late into the game, and we allowed our first punt return because otherwise you know we were forcing, uh you know they were waving off fair catches. And, uh, or, you know, we weren't punting, we were scoring or eh, turning it over, but we were going to talk about that. So this is the first punt return. It's a little bit arbitrary, but also it is a sign that the special teams are doing well when they do need to go out there. They are forcing that. So I don't know. That's good, I guess. And then the first sack that is obviously good. And the sack was even like, was that a sack really? So I don't know. That's a good place to be. I feel. Uh, we were the only team, I think the only team in college football, not just FBS, in college football that had not uh, given up a sack to that point, but we allowed one, I think, in the third quarter or so. So we got pretty far into it, too. So, hey, kudos. That's great. Praise him. Camden Lewis. I'm talking Camden Lewis. I just want to shout out the guy. Remember when we were talking about just, I mean, early in his career, just, oh, boy, when can we find someone someone better than this guy? Or, like, just writing him off as, like, oh, the curse of the Oregon kicker or the college kicker. This guy has been consistent. We haven't asked him to go from deep, and I have a feeling if we did, you know, if we're asking him for the 50-yard game winner, I'm not sure if that's working out. No, no I mean, hey, hey, maybe I need to have faith in Cameron Lewis. Maybe that's what this whole thing is about really because I don't know he hit his field goal I like him he's cool he's my friend don't talk crap about Camden Lewis let's just see if he can do it against Utah number seven quack man mint gifts from above and of course by that I mean the passing game of course it's the uh, number one culprit the guy we've been loving so much well actually oh yeah that's right uh Coda. Chase Coda was the man. I thought it was Troy Franklin, but he barely edged him out with two receptions for 56 yards, which included a 49-yard touchdown in which I'm not sure if the, I'd have to re-watch re the replay, but some people were saying that maybe he was looking up at the Jumbotron, the biggest screen in the world or whatever, and was actually just kind of like, like, hey, that's me. Hey, I'm about to score a touchdown. Hey, that was easy. Yeah. I'm from Oregon. Yeah, uh, 
I think we all love that guy. He's got real male energy, and by that I mean M-A-E-H-L. I'm sure you all knew that. Uh, really good possession receiver, but I mean, just also has got some moves. He's got some really good hands, and you always need a dude like that. And it's good to have him. Good to have him on the team. Returning home, he's an Oregonian. He always should have been here. Come on, Troy Franklin, four receptions, fifty-two yards, including a uh, touchdown reception, and just being great. Just being. Just catching dimes uh, right when you need him. It's very nice to have sure hands, real talent, adding more talent in the future. Sean Dollars, three receptions for 17 yards. Terrence Ferguson, a little quieter, but hey, I mean, that's the nice thing, right? Is if you're focusing too much on our amazing pass-catching tight ends, which is something that you do have to focus on because they're a great, you know, an elite threat. Then, uh, hey, we got Troy Franklin. We got pass-catching running backs. We got it all at Oregon. We got it all. Uh, Yes, that's some fun stuff. Number eight, footloose. Footloose. Kick off your Sunday shoes. It's Sunday today. Of course, I say this because I didn't quite get the full story here. It sounds like Dan... So I know Dan Lanning told the team, I don't want you dancing during sh- uh, shout, uh, you know, between third and fourth quarter. I don't want you dancing. I want you to, like, you know, this, this is a football game. And I'm not sure where the line is, whether it was, I'm not sure if he's been on the record with this even, per se. But where their line is, is this a temporary thing because the penalties are terrible? Because they, you know, and a lot of these are like easy things that like the easy ones that you can fix are the like unsportsmanlike conducts. That's the easy ones. You know, Hudson had it, Seven McGee, a couple of others, I'm sure. Uh, that horse collar one is BS again. But anyways, so I don't know. I, I think it's possible. It seems like he's doing it as more of a you almost want it to be more of a punishment thing. So then in the future, it's like, okay, now you can do it. Or is he just like, no, there's no dancing in football. Why are you dancing? It's, we've got important things to talk about. That would be sad. I get it. That being said, I, and I know duck fans are bummed about that, but that being said, we could still dance and we are, we are the fan. We, we know we love that. And it only makes it, that stretch where the players really were dancing, I think truly led by Troy Die. You know, he like we could just have that that lives in the jumbotron, and then as long as the landing era continue like goes, there's no dancing from the players, but it makes that era just a little more special. You know, I I'd be fine with it. if he doesn't want them to dance, it's fine, no dancing, or maybe if. Special occasion? I don't know. We got to figure this out. It's clearly the most important thing. Number nine. Hellfire heating up. Now, what do I mean by hellfire? Do I mean the place where Satan lives? Pokes you with a little trident. Has a pokey tail. Does all the medieval tortures on your butt? No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about defensive pressure, really. 
Not enough. It is heating up, but only because it was kind of cold for a while. We're doing a lot of great stuff on defense. This defense isn't necessarily built on the idea that you are pressuring the hell out of people at all times. It, I mean, there is, you know, like any defense, you do want to get to the quarterback. You do want to surprise them, trick them, come at them from different angles. And a lot of times that's worked. Uh, against Stanford, it worked pretty well because we got three sacks. Not bad. Not bad. Three sacks, six tackles for a loss, five passes defended. Why not? And um, three QB hurries. That's what you like to see. That feels like that is the missing ingredient, which, to be fair, the first half, we did have a missing ingredient because DJ Johnson wasn't there because of some BS penalty we got last week. Ah! Yeah. So DJ Johnson wasn't there for the first half. When he came, when he got in the second half, he made his presence known. And it was almost worse for them because he's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And you're, you guys are already feeling defeated. You can tell. And I'm ready to roll, son. I'm actually, I've been stretching. So that was nice. Um, yeah, let's more of that, please. Ty, Ty Thompson Tumult is what I'm trying to say. We don't really need a Ty Thompson talk because I think we know what we got in Ty Thompson right now. That's not to say that he's not going to be better in the future. It's not to say, but I mean, I think it's foolish to assume without any proof that any player is going to make a drastic improvement for basically no reason, you know. Um, And it was concerning, I think. His, his, you know, late game performance. Because that's all we're going to get. That's all we've gotten, you know, for his career. He is, he was one of five for three yards, one interception, uh, one carry for two yards in this game. His career is 14 of 29, two touchdowns, three interceptions, 158 total yards. That is a lot of garbage time. But it is something where it's like his energy when he's out there, He it does look like a spring game suddenly. It truly is transformed into a spring game. Where it's it just a little more, I don't know, just not as cut, not as like locked in, cutthroat. The passes aren't like getting there in time. I don't know. I'm just afraid. Knock on wood. Praise to whoever you want to praise. I'm just afraid that Bo Nix is going to get hurt. Even though the pocket's been clean, that's the nice thing. But he's a mobile QB. He's wearing number 10. It's happened before. But I'm afraid Bo Nix gets hurt. And if we do, I'm afraid Ty Thompson... I'm not saying... Okay. I'm not saying Lockie is a bad guy or a bad quarterback per se. You know, on this, on the Oregon Duck level, he's a bad quarterback. I'm afraid that Ty Thompson would look similar to Lockie. Is that the nicest way to say all this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Is Butterfield really that bad? What's going on? Let's go to the next one. Number 11. 22 consecutive wins. At Autzen Stadium, we are, hey, that's good. We want, I know this, we want Clemson to lose at home. 
because I know for a fact that they are they're the true leaders. I'm going to just look this up. This is very professional. Home Records College. This is really good podcasting, especially when you're solo, so no one else can, like, you know, chime in. Yeah, whatever. I definitely shouldn't have taken the time to look this up. Anyways, Clemson, we want you to lose. Listeners, if you know the answer, please let me know. Um, Other than that, well, first of all, There's only one more quack mammon, and it's the same quack mammon that I end this thing on every day. That is right, my listeners, my loyal, loyal sheep and loyal flock. Go ducks! Go ducks! Go ducks! Bye.